0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Real Rant, the place where we like to rant about the real stuff. My name is Brennan McGee and sitting across from me, as always, is the illustrious sexy boy. Who are you, dude? Corey McQueensland, Australia. Oh, that one's fitting. Yeah. Considering the film this week. Indeed. That's why I went for it. Oh, well, very good. Very good. Mm -hmm. So this week, uh, we have a guest. We do. You surprised. Uh, still no. Okay. Damn, I almost got you that. Maybe time. one day. Okay. Uh, how? Unfortunately, they aren't feeling too well right now, so we're giving them a little resty poo before they come onto the film of the week this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're just going to be around for the film of the week rather than you know sitting in for the banty bants in uh, the beginning of the episode. We are recording this in my bedroom. Whoa. Yeah. I know. Big change. Uh, I just pretty much said that mainly because of the fact that. uh, the person who's our guest is in the bedroom with us and currently mm-hmm. lying down. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so our guests will be around uh, for the film of the week, but not for the rest of the stuff. Um, so let's just get right into it then. Alrighty, S- Start the show because we know who we are. It's true. I mean, I know who you are. Well, I know who you are. Yeah. So let's start with the plugs. Um, as always, you can find me on Twitter uh, at... Brendan underscore McGee. That is B R E A N D A N underscore M C G H E E. And Corey, where can they find you? They can also find me on Twitter at Corey McEwen One. Cause you number one, boy, boy. Uh, you can follow the show at The Real Rant Pod on Twitter. You can send us an email. At the Real Rant Podcast at gmail dot com, send us something nice, mean, or in between. It's all hmm. juicy, just the same. Would you say, Corey? I would. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Follow that Instagram for all those juicy pics and updates behind the scenes of what's going on with the show because everybody likes to see those. Mm-hmm. Do- Especially do we- for
1: me. Because I I can't read, so I like that visual connection.
0: Oh, yeah. That's right. You're illiterate. We're still going with that, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I
1: mean, it's true, so... Yeah. Yeah.
0: You can go to our website, check out our page. We have links to our iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Pocket Casts. And if you're feeling real jazzy, you can hit that subscribe button and also leave us a review because, hey, we love that five-star review restaurant, so why not give us a little five-star review, you know, on the podcast world, business.
1: Yeah, please. Even if you don't like us, give it that five star. Yeah. I I don't think anyone dislikes us, though.
0: No, I would hope not. Me too. Because we would have probably gotten hate mail before. Probably. Uh, And we haven't gotten any hate mail. We've gotten a couple of offers to do interviews. Well, that's the opposite of hate mail. Yeah. That means that people like us, right? I hope so. Okay, cool. The film next week. uh, We are doing City Lights. That is our first silent film. With Charlie Chaplin. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Dude, every time I watch that uh, speech that he gives for The Great Dictator. Oh, I, I
1: actually watched that a couple of nights ago, and it it moves me. It, it's quite inspiring, actually.
0: I actually start to, like, tear up a little bit every yeah. time you hear it. That part in the movie, he actually breaks the fourth wall mm-hmm. and talks directly to the audience. So it's yeah. actually quite moving. So. It is, yeah. Yeah, City Lights. So I'm pretty excited about that. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Charlie Chaplin fan. Yep uh one might say he's an idol of mine um 1931 film no talk uh, no talk classic just silence that's all right are you okay with that i think i'm okay yeah
1: and if not i'll, I'll learn to handle it oh well, that's good no like i say i like charlie chaplin i'm mm-hmm. excited for it
0: okay cool and with that brings us to the next segment of the show called "What You Watching, Boy? That's the part of the show where we go around the room and ask everybody what's they watching on the boob tube. So, Corey, why don't we throw it over to you because you're the only other person in the room right now aside from our guest who's laying in bed.
1: That's right. <laughs> um, so I have one of two options. I'm going to start off with my personal favorite out of the two, mm-hmm. which is Hostiles.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the, the Christian Bale film. Really good movie. Yeah. Quite emotionally draining Mm -hmm. it was a very depressing film um but i mean given given what what it was about and kind of the time period seems fitting um just a brief little synopsis of it there's this uh gentleman in the army i can't remember his rank yeah i don't know if you can
0: i think he's like a captain he's a captain yeah played by christian bale Yeah, yeah
1: and uh he has to form a small group of soldiers uh so they can lead a native american man uh, back to his home.
0: Yeah, he's like a chief.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, he's had some quarrels with the chief in his past. Uh, the so... captain. Yes, correct. Yeah. And so he's not too excited about it. Um, but but the chief has been in jail for quite some time, and him and his family have been released. So they get to go back to where they're from.
0: Yeah, by order of the president or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. he's uh, like dying too. So that's right. Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh yeah so they go on this little journey to try and take the chief back to his home and lots of terrible things ensue.
0: Yeah, um this film is a Scott Cooper production. Mm-hmm. Um I really like him. He's made he makes a lot of films that are kind of like emotionally gripping. Mm-hmm. I definitely liked Crazy Heart a lot more than I, from what I can remember out of all of his films that I've seen, uh, his most recent films, at least, Mm -hmm. uh, crazy heart was a Jeff Bridges film about a musician who is kind of like, he's like a country music musician. Who's kind of like fallen on, fallen on hard times and, you know, in and out of relationships with his, you know, his estranged family and things like that, just Mm -hmm. not doing too well. Um, but it's just like a really good drama. Um, His other film that I had seen called Out of the Furnace, that one's also with Christian Bale. Uh, It has Casey Affleck and Woody Harrelson. Um, That film is essentially about uh, underground boxing, I think, or some sort of, like, boxing matches or something like that. Uh, And this brother comes back from—or, no— Christian Bale's character comes out of prison and he finds out that Casey Affleck is kind of like gotten into deep with one of the loan sharks who is like Woody Harrelson or something like that. So Hmm. he's going to fight. It sounds a lot like the fighter. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I might totally be butchering the plot. I might be mixing it up with something else, but it's not the fighter. I know that. Okay. Um, but this, this film is quite good as well. It's emotionally gripping. Mm -hmm. Um, and then he also made Black Mass. Yes, he also, did. Also a good film, but not it probably his weakest out of the four that we're kind of I've, we've mentioned thus far. Yeah, I mean, I saw Black Mass, and the performances were good. Johnny, Johnny Depp, Johnny was Depp was absolutely good. fantastic. Um, but the,
1: the film itself, I didn't really find all that great.
0: Rory Cochran is also like a really good actor in that film. He's the guy with the big beard in Hostiles. He's in Black Mass as well. Is that the guy who kind of runs off into the night in um, uh, Hostiles? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No spoilers. That's not really a spoiler. Anyways. No, not really. Yeah. But uh, yeah. No, that that actor is really good. He's mm. in a couple. He's in the other Scott Cooper film. But I'm beginning to think that Scott Cooper is kind of a director who really focuses on his characterization. Mm-hmm. um which makes me really happy because I, th- I think he's in sort of this hollywood limelight where he's getting enough attention now where he's not going to be like overshadowed by sort of like like producer influence kind yeah of, you, know? You, know? you know what i mean like i think they're just going to let him do his thing if he ever gets money to do a to do a project for sure which i there's something that i really appreciate um in a filmmaker too who they kind of just stand their ground um it seems like a lot of directors that are kind of been given a lot more leeway these days a lot of the ones that have been kind of been doing it for so long like mm. like martin scorsese he's pretty much anytime he wants to make a movie he's pretty much given the money or quentin tarantino pretty much can make whatever he wants and people will go see it anyways because yep. you know so but uh, Scott Cooper, I think, is one of those directors now that is actually, he makes good, he makes solid films every time mm-hmm. um, he makes one. And they're not like, again, like they're not all great, but they're no. all like, they all touch you in a certain way. And I think characterization is one of those things. And I definitely think that like Black Mass, that's one of the reasons why I actually still like it. Um, mm-hmm. Because if it wasn't for like Johnny Depp or uh, Cochran, mm-hmm. I think, I think it would kind of be. I mean, there isn't really much to say about this movie other than no. say that, you know, I would say just go and see it because, um, but yeah, as Corey said, it's quite emotionally draining. Yeah. There are some character arcs in this film that I do have some problems with, or I guess I would say character transformations. Either the lapse of time isn't essentially evoked properly through the camera, where like mm-hmm. we can't really tell how long, how much time has passed. Uh, while they're transporting uh, this native chief, which, you know, there's like a transformation that I'm really totally not sold on. But at the end of the day, it's still overall a fantastic film. And, um, I would say go and watch it if you can go see it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So the other film we watched was the film called The Shape of Water. This is a Guillermo del Toro's newest production. Um... And let me just say, I wasn't a huge fan. No, I, w- I would have to agree with you there. Despite popular opinion, uh, I, I just very much disagree with this film being put at the level of status that it's being given right now. Mm-hmm. My opinion. Don't have to agree with me. But that, I mean, I just I had a lot of problems with it. Um, I think the main thing was the fact that I felt like I was watching somebody else's film that Guillermo del Toro came and kind of helped produce. I guess I could say. Okay. Um, Guillermo del Toro functions a lot in kind of like the mythic, gothic kind of somewhat reality where there is like uh, kind of like an everyday existence and then someone places a mythical on it. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. there's like an element that kind of makes a realistic world and everything about it have an element of an un- unrealistic.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's. I mean, the whole movie focuses around a uh, a mute lady and like a fish man. Yeah, and no one really seems kind of too taken back by it. Yeah,
0: which kind of bothered me a little bit because Mm -hmm. there was a lot of things where in the film I was like, okay, well, if for instance these people are kind of used to this crazy mythicality or whatever is going on with the fact that no one like the janitors are batting an eye about the fact that there is a weird fish man sitting in a tank um, in the other room with no security cameras surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that That's not weird to some people. I think that just was a big problem for me with this film, aside from it feeling like it wasn't really truly a good Guillermo del Toro film. His film, like I said, his films just have always just realistic element with like a mythical thing going on with it, and usually that mythical element is somewhat you know shocking to the people watching it, uh, and, and that, and then in this film there wasn't that. Everyone was kind of it was almost like everyone was used to the fact that there was weird, crazy monsters kind of lying around, mm-hmm. and and the only reason why I feel that way is the fact that there was no other essence of anything like this fish man out there in the film but whereas there for example in Hellboy everyone's kind of used to Hellboy running around because he's kind of I mean like they're not used to him running around but and they keep him hidden but at the end of the day it's like people there's rumors people wouldn't be like overly surprised if they saw him running around on the street or something like that but sure you know I I don't know I just I just don't feel like it's a great film
1: no I'm it um it didn't it didn't grab me within the first kind of half hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I wasn't really drawn into the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I don't know. I'm not I'm not quite sure why. It like you say, it kind of felt like Guillermo del Toro had his
0: uh, visionary staple on it, mm-hmm. but maybe not his storytelling mark kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, Like when I think about other films that he's made, like uh, Alone in the Dark, which is a really good film. Uh, it's really creepy. Mm-hmm. And it's creepy because of the visuals, yeah. and it's creepy because there is that you know unusual essence of a mythical element going on mm-hmm. and and it's based in a reality um and the reality judges the mythic mythical essence with um curiosity uh but more in the form of like how or why rather than. Kind of like, just, okay. Like, there is a why, <laughs> but like, I guess if we're thinking of Guillermo del Toro as in the, you know, the individual who loves film mm-hmm. and uh who we know loves old classic Hollywood, you could kind of just chalk it up to one of those films where this abnormality or this unrealistic mythical essence that's in the film is something that just should not even be considered. And this is me giving the benefit of the doubt for the film and giving it another perspective and the idea that maybe, okay, like if if we're not really supposed to question people not questioning the fish man, then maybe that's just Guillermo del Toro kind of like applying that classic Hollywood thing where things just kind of happen because they do mm-hmm. and they don't really need an explanation. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Kind of like in Casablanca where people just kind of coincidentally just end up in this the right place at the right time to get you know rick's help or whatever right i don't know if that makes any sense to you i mean i i will say the one thing that this film i really did like was that classic element of cinema to pay homage to that i know that i really like and really appreciate the history of cinema and i think that's kind of what he was trying to do i feel like there's two different films here now that i think about it and I wonder if whether or not he was ever going to be able to make... Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there was an extra part of a film here that... Because he kept going back to the classic Hollywood and, you know, mm-hmm. doing tap dancing movement songs yeah. with the lead actress. And and then somehow there was this fish lady man thing relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. And it was just, I don't know. Yeah. It was a strange film.
0: Yeah. But... <laughs> But, I mean, go watch it just for the level of curiosity that you have, maybe with our discussion or just in general. Like, it's an, I feel like you should go watch it at least and get your own interpretation out of it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously it's nominated
1: for a lot of awards. Um, A lot of my friends and family have seen it and have liked it. Yeah, yeah. it's
0: not a bad movie. It's just not what I was expecting, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, for sure. And with that brings us to the film of the week, the film of the week, the film of the week, give me the magic sword. Okay. So this week we watched the film, The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Mm -hmm. So this is a great film and with a great film we needed to have a great guest. So who are you, dude?
2: It's me, Carmen. Usually found in Carmen's corner, but tonight they have let me out of my corner, even in my gross, cold sickness. Yeah, Mm. she's got
0: a bit of a coldy cold, so Mm -hmm. if you hear a little bit of a sniffle or a bit of a heavy breathing, uh, just know that that's something that I'm going to have to deal with later, and also, well, in two ways, one in the editing room, uh, (laughs) and also in real life. So
2: It's a double whammy.
0: Yeah. So, uh, let's start off the conversation with having the uh, reason behind why we picked this film this week. So, this film actually was chosen by Corey and myself. Um, We have a bit of a history behind it. Uh, We mentioned a little bit of it last week, but we can go into detail, maybe, as to why we picked it. So, Corey, why did we pick this film? Well, we picked this film because, like you said, we have a history with it. Uh, Many, many moons
1: ago, we went on a trip to London and Paris. We did. A theater trip. And uh, a little, little ditty from the movie was sung in a bus. Mm-hmm. And it's been many years in the making of us trying to watch this film together. Because I've seen it with my family probably 20 times. Mm-hmm. I love this film. Um, and yeah. So we, we finally got together and watched it. And uh, Carmen, your parents have seen it before. And we watched <laughs> it with them.
2: Yes, my mom is a big fan of this film. She's seen it on the um like the stage quite a few times as mm. well um she she loves it loves the soundtrack, you know loves a good bop along
0: goes mm-hmm. a little bop along yeah. little bop along all right. well, I kind of wanted to actually mention the fact that I was not expecting this film to be that great. I know the films that you watch Corey sometimes like you really like it. I'm not a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of any on the top of my head, but I know there's definitely been films that we've gone to see, and you've been like, "Oh, that was so great," or "This movie's so great." But you're kind of like, "It's great in a different way," where you're just kind of like, "It's great because you know this is ridiculous. There's something ridiculous about this." Um, and I felt like that was kind of the element for this film that you were just kind of like totally stoked on. You're like, this movie's so great," and I'm like, "Ah, like we make jokes about it because we had that." Sure kind of like history about the film mm-hmm. um, from our trip. But no, this movie it was actually really good. Yep. Um and I feel like it's weird that I haven't heard more about this film other than in our discussion because it's such a it's such a like obscure topic. Sure. But not like more to the degree that you don't see these sorts of films being talked about and I'm not And I'm saying that that's just kind of a shitty thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, More like because of societal issues and things like that. People being kind of very like everybody's got their opinions, and you know, people are super political about you know, I don't know, whatever. For some reason, people Mm -hmm. give a shit about what how people identify themselves in this world, Um, and that's kind of ridiculous. But that's just my opinion, and I feel like films like this are the result of not getting noticed that much because of that you know divide that we have as like a society where people aren't okay with like people being gay or being trans or you know all the other identifiers of our world today um but I feel like that's probably why I missed out on this film for so long other than the fact that you'd mentioned it since we were kids um and I just I love this movie Kind of speaking to what you said there, I mean, the only reason I think I've seen this
1: film mm-hmm. is because of my parents, yeah, um, I mean, my mom is Australian, yeah, t- it's an Australian film, um, so she's seen it many times before, and both my mom and dad are you know really open to people's lifestyles and whatever they choose to do, yeah, right? for sure, um, and yeah, it's been a family favorite in my family for many years. I saw this as a little kid,
0: and yeah, to this day, it's one of my favorite movies, yeah. Carmen, why do you really like this movie? Because I guess, like, I don't know. Do you really like this movie? Because this is, like, your first time watching this movie. And while we're kind of, like, talking about it, I, I don't know. I just wanted to say that, and then mm-hmm. you ended up saying it. But I don't know. Why Why do you like this movie, if you like this movie?
2: No, I do really like this film. <laughs> I think it's a really, like, upbeat, fun um, kind of film. And you kind of, you get dragged into that, like...
1: No pun intended
2: yeah <laughs> you, kind of, oh, <laughs> you kind of get um you know you kind of get like sucked into their world a little bit like on this bus with all that like fabulous outfits they obviously just i don't know where they managed to keep them all mm-hmm. um and it's actually like kind of similar to Corey like my mom loves this film so she um kind of watches it a lot and i remember when she's seen it on um the stage like three or four times with her friends so she like loves it Mm
1: -hmm.
2: so and we have the soundtrack as well to the song and remember we go on like car trips or something we'd always listen to the priscilla (laughs) yeah yeah. soundtrack because it is a cracking soundtrack oh god yeah real good yeah disco tunes on there Mm -hmm. um so and even my dad who's not usually into like films that are particularly kind of happy or flamboyant or colorful he really enjoys it as well oh
0: yeah he was losing it when we were watching this he
2: was like loving it like (laughs) um and like my mom spent like a year in australia and we have friends in australia and like we've all been like a couple of times so we're kind of we quite like australia as a family Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's another reason why because it's like a a bit like you know muriel's wedding it's a australian classic yeah
0: yeah and it's kind of interesting too that we picked this film um as of now but it's actually kind of relevant now that like gay marriage is actually legalized in australia as Mm -hmm. of like this summer or the beginning of or the end of september right or something like that
1: I can't remember when. I think it was, it was like, quite recently.
0: Yeah, it was like the end of September 2017. It just actually became legalized, mm. um, which is kind of really awesome. Not kind of. It, it it's, is it's really quite, awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. All right. And let's throw it over to Jesse with the synopsis. On a desert holiday, they'll pack, they'll drag away. They'll bring the luncheon and tea. They'll bring the ecstasy. Join Tick. Bernadette, and Anthony as they drag you through the Australian outback in the adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Thanks, Jesse. That was awesome. When I first heard about this film, uh, it was through the song that Guy Pearce sings in the the film at the Mm. beginning of the movie after Hugo Weaving is in the back with him guy pierce uh and they're like undressing and things like that yeah
1: it's kind of his character introduction yeah
0: yeah for sure and um cory sung that song like in front of like a bunch of really close friends that you know we all are very like open with each other and things like that and Corey sung the song and i had never heard it before and i thought it was like oh my god like that's a really kind of like interesting song and then Corey <laughs> told me where it was from and uh i don't know i was just like wow that's a really extravagant type of film like Mm -hmm. where where could they go with that what what could happen and like aside from that i was just like what what is this film and where Mm -hmm. did it come from and how did it get made and why did it get made uh and you know and where was it going do you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like when we sat down and watched this film i was just like where is this film gonna go like how are they gonna end this film and it was almost like halfway through the film, I, I was like, I don't really care where it goes. I can mm-hmm. have an expectation of where it goes. Because a lot of films you can you kind of have the understanding that each like plot is gonna like you're gonna feel the act structure, right? Yeah. And in this film you really don't feel an act structure. And I think I really like that about this film because there is no essence of feeling kind of down at all at points. I mean, there's essence of feeling down because society can not accept people like this. Um, And that's really frustrating when you watch this film because these people are so beautiful and they're so vibrant. And I know people like this as well. And they're so beautiful and their souls are so amazing that like it's that's the kind of shitty part because you see those people in the film that won't accept them. This part of society that won't accept these people. And that's really the only shitty part. But the whole rest of the film is just very much like, you know you know, screw everybody else. Like, let's be ourselves and let's sing and dance and do what we want to do on a bus in the middle of the desert of Australia. Do you yeah,
1: know what I mean? for sure. And I don't, I don't know if you've heard the, the old saying, you probably have, uh, it's It's not about where you're going, it's the journey. Yeah. And that's kind of what this movie is. Yeah, for like, sure. Because like you say, you, you didn't really know where it was going. Exactly. But, but along the way you see so many kind of interesting quirky characters mm-hmm. and interesting weird situations that... It, it's very unlike
0: any other film
1: yeah uh it's essentially a road trip film oh yeah
0: but uh it's a road trip slash survival film sure yeah it's a little bit of that yeah (laughs) Yeah. but not like survival and like the oh my god we need more beans yeah yeah like we need a rash in the water classic survival trope we need more beans (laughs) uh no it's more like it's more like uh surviving and i'm like oh shit like what do we do now <laughs> yeah. like, like i think that essence of that feeling of like where are they going next kind of just went away after um they met the aborigines in yeah, yeah. the middle of the desert and that came and saved them which was really kind of interesting it was yeah, like it was quite fantastic so yeah. um bernadette makes that venture across the desert after their bus kind of breaks down and she finally finds some people and they're australians and they're like got a dead kangaroo in the back of the car and i was like oh this is like hick city pretty much yeah yeah like there's no way they're gonna get back to that truck that that van or whatever their big bus priscilla and they're gonna see guy pierce and hugo weaving dressed up in their outfits and they're gonna kick off mm-hmm. and they do and they leave and then the aborigines are just like no 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 like come on like hang out with us and then they put on like that whole I will survive song yep. and in like they, full they, drag. They dress Al up in uh, in like this weird silver suit as well. Yeah. The, uh, the Aborigine guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that I don't know. So I think that was the moment where I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm done really giving a shit about where this film was going because that's like the inner film guy in me is like trying to figure out, okay, well, where is this going? But this film, unlike the film Sing Street that me and Carmen watched a couple of weeks ago, there are those, like, parts of cinematic, like, films that you're kind of, like, waiting for the second act to kind of, like, give off that. We need to have some sort of, like, element of, like, a problem occur Oh yeah. in order for it to kind of, like, add tension. Yeah. Um... And there was none of that throughout the whole film. It was just constant tension because of the society issue, not being able to accept these people. And it was kind of really interesting to, like have that in reverse like the constant tension was there all throughout the film whenever they interacted with a society of any sort so i don't know
2: i think the tension as well came from like there was a lot of tension between the three of them like it was a lot of like banter yeah a lot of banter but like you know sometimes it got taken like too far like that whole thing about Bernadette's real name Yeah, she, she didn't like being called her real name um which you know it's fair enough that kind of they kind of like it seems like their banter was like about like pushing each other to like the absolute limit mm-hmm. kind of thing until like the other people snap. like not in like a kind of like a like bullying way just in
0: well, like well it kind of a- could come off as a bullying way and I think that maybe that's just I think that maybe that is a representation of kind of like a fact of society and how that, I mean, I'm not associated with that world at all, but I think that's how society kind of like talks to them and they kind of like poke fun at it in a way to kind of like relieve the pain, I guess, in a way. I don't know if that makes yeah, any, like. I,
2: th- I think it's probably more that they were trying to like work each other out kind of thing.
1: I think a lot of the tension from inside the bus comes from kind of, uh, cause Bernadette and tick have known each other for a while. And Bernadette's kind of like an old, old classic star. And then they have this, um, the new young guy come up, Anthony. And there's clashing there because Bernadette's kind of thinking, oh, like Anthony might overshine me in this performance kind of thing where she's used to being kind of like the big star. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of where a lot of the tension comes from.
0: Well, I guess I was more speaking to the idea that like maybe that their interactions being kind of so salty is more of like a like Like a defense mechanism like a defense mechanism like an alleviation of the fact that they get constantly ridiculed for being who they want to be um, and society doesn't accept them and they're so used to it and a kind of way to I guess relieve that pain they kind of like don't use it against each other but they try to normalize it within their own like discussion I guess I Mm -hmm. don't know if that makes any sense. Um, because they do see some nasty shit to each other, and you're just kind of like, all right, well, I mean, I wouldn't say that to my friends, but then Mm -hmm. again, like, I'm not in that sort of associated with that kind of world in that regard, so, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know, so. So I wanted to kind of talk about characters. I think these characters in this film are very, like, vibrant and beautiful and kind of what make this film. Mm -hmm. Not only their interactions with one another, but also, too, like, how they are very, like, just comfortable for the most part from what we can see in their own skin but they're also very developed as the film goes on mm-hmm. we learn a lot more about them and kind of where they come from um bernadette's character we is kind of mysterious in the beginning um there's a reason behind her frown all the time uh but at the same time it's just like we can kind of just chalk her up to being some sort of like She reminded me a lot of like Marvin the uh, paranoid android. Yeah, the paranoid android from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, played by Alan Rickman, the late Alan Rickman. Mm. So I don't know, like, and and Anthony Guy Pierce in this film was absolutely amazing. Oh, he's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and it just got me wondering as to like what's like were these passion projects by these guys? Like, you know what I mean? Because like these well no these these dudes are all very like manly men and you wouldn't really see them as to kind of be these sorts of like let's make a film about being drag queens you know Mm. what i mean in the australian outback yeah i don't know like that's just i mean that's just my interpretation i didn't i wouldn't ever consider these these people to be any sort of like openly totally cool with like putting on drag outfits and things like that kind of like shindig types of guys but i mean it i don't know they're yeah, actors yeah so. i guess not i think i
1: think it was just a nice culmination of three really great actors who happened to work well together yeah because like i look we looked up a bit of stuff before we did this yeah and there
0: was a lot of other actors considered for roles yeah and those actors kind of made a little bit more sense to me yeah. I don't know. Like, one of them was, like, David Bowie. But one of them was really, David Bowie. He's yeah. not really an actor. He's more of a singer, but. but, but he's it, a very, like, flamboyant, he's, kind of out there yeah, guy. He's very, like, flamboyant, but when you think of, like, Hugo Weaving, my association with Hugo Weaving is, like, from Mr. Smith from The Matrix and, yeah. and like, Lord of the Rings as Elrond. And then there's, like, Bernadette. I don't know the actor's name. Terrence Stamp. And he's kind of, like, a tra- oh. he's a traditionally kind of more. Proper
1: actor, like I feel like he was a stage actor before this.
0: Yeah, and he plays he occasionally plays like a mob boss. Yeah, every now and then, Mm -hmm. and then there's a guy Pierce who's kind of like an action slash thriller kind of guy. Like you, I mean, at least the modern modern film these days, Mm -hmm. like you don't really, I wouldn't really ever consider these guys to ever be like, yeah, let's put on drag. So I I don't know. know. That's just. Maybe that's just more of now now how I see them rather than mm-hmm. kind of like where they used to be in their career. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think touching on kind of how
1: the, the characterization of these characters really make the film, I think it's kind of an interesting thing to point out that this is set back in the 90s in Australia, mm-hmm. which was not a very good time, as we know, for the LBGT community back then, especially in Australia. And it seems that except for one scene, uh, no matter where these characters go, at first they're perceived as like really foreign and pr- people don't know how to react to them. Mm-hmm. But throughout most interactions, they get people to um, kind of acclimate to their way of life. Yeah. And people are really accepting once they kind of get past that
0: initial wall of really not knowing what they're about. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing is, like, Mm -hmm. people just don't know what they're about. Yeah.
2: I was just going to say that, like, I think it, yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, wherever they go, they're kind of, like, met with a lot of, like, hostility. Mm -hmm. And then they kind of, like, and then it gets turned around. But I'm not convinced that in real life you would get that kind of turning around in the face of those kind of people. No. So I think it kind of it probably confronts a lot of issues that like the LGBT community have, especially in really remote places. Like, I mean, like really big countries like Australia, Canada, America. When you go to like the middle kind of area, you are gonna get people that aren't as like cosmopolitan and mm-hmm. stereotypically massive stereotype aren't as accepting. Uh-huh. And I am just not too sure that if you if you actually went. Like, that wouldn't happen in real life. Mm-hmm. Like, a bunch of drag queens wouldn't go to some random place in Australia. Everyone hate on them for, like, five minutes. And then everyone would be like, wait, no, they're great. Mm-hmm. Like, I think yeah. you'd probably be met with a whole lot more hostility and it would be a lot more, like, deep-rooted and a lot more, like, it would be so hard to change that mindset.
1: Yeah, their their interaction in Cooper Pedy, the little mining town, I think yeah. is probably the most accurate of how yeah. things would have gone down.
2: Yeah, which is, like, it's sad, and I think another interesting thing about this film is that even though it was made in, like, the 90s, like, it was made, like, 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, I think it was, it's still the exact same now, basically. Like In regards
0: this, to people's, like, opinions of people like this?
2: In regards to, if you still, I think if you still went, this is, like, again, massively stereotyping, so... Sorry if anyone listens to this. They live in a small town in the middle of nowhere. I come from a small town in the middle of nowhere. Um, but, like, you know, if a bunch of, like, drag queens rolled up to, like, some town in the middle of the Australian desert, I think they'd probably still be met with a very, very similar reaction today. Mm. Mm. Even, like, though, despite the fact that, like, Australia has voted in... Um, Through, like, a public postal vote has voted in gay marriage, I think you would still get a lot of abuse and things like that. And I think that's another interesting thing about this film, which is kind of, and this is an interesting thing that's also very sad, is the fact that it's still very relevant today. Mm -hmm. And you kind of only have to look at all this, all the issues with, you know, the things that are happening in the States about, um, the debate about bathrooms and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of, you know, highlights how relevant this film is at some point.
0: The one thing that I think speaks to that hostility um, in this film, I mean, we get a lot of, like, hostility towards the people, like you said, kind of, like, in the first five minutes of them meeting and then they do something that's really kind of, you know, switches their opinions to make Mm -hmm. them maybe accept them and things like that. Um, But there is that one part of the film at the end where Anthony dresses up as a uh, a female um, and goes out to try and go and hang out with, you know, kind of like the butch man of the town Mm. at this bonfire or whatever. And uh, they think that he is actually a woman. And then they find out that he is actually a man um, dressed as a woman. And then they become very violent and hostile and angry. And it's almost like the anger is almost like driven off of like some sort of like complete confusion Mm -hmm. of like, and, and and in those sorts of moments, like I, I was in a situation recently where I had to really kind of like come to understand why, why this certain person was angry um, or I, 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 and and I was like confused as to why like they were so mad that these people were just trying to be themselves or wanted to be who they wanted to be, and and the other person just didn't get it, and they weren't like angry about it, but they were just kind of like really confused and a little bit hostile towards it, and it's almost like there's some sort of like internal judgmental system alarm going off in their own self that I m- almost think is is maybe the reasoning as to why they get so upset is because they feel like maybe there's an essence of them selves that they're not completely comfortable with. Yeah. And then when they see someone who is completely comfortable with themselves and being who they want to be, mm-hmm. you know, that they get maybe a little bit internally like angry with themselves to yeah. the point where they need to take it out on someone else.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's like you said, there was that initial attraction when he was looking at Anthony. Yeah. And then him kind of realizing that, Oh, I I think this man was attractive. Yeah then that's, that's all his beliefs kind of being turned on their head a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't
0: really know how to react to it. I mean, this is a little bit kind of like off to some extent, but we had a conversation with a friend about drugs this week and kind of like why kind of people in a culture are kind of a little bit judgmental towards people who do drugs and things like that. You know, it could even be just specifically, I guess we could just say in regards to medicinal purposes, mm-hmm. um, kind of using it to try to help them with pain or whatever. But there is that stigma against people, I guess, For example, let's say pot that people smoke pot and and a lot of people smoke pot, but a lot of people smoke it for like medicinal purposes. Mm -hmm. But you're still labeled with the level of like um, criticism by a general populace because of using the drug. I feel like a lot of that judgment comes from a, a level of like people who haven't done it and they see maybe like like an element of like maybe, you know, they just don't understand. Mm hmm and therefore they kind of like immediately judge because they don't understand and, and they don't understand that person's lifestyle. And I don't know, like,
2: it's that like, you know, it's that how, um, people that are bullied, no, people that are bullies have quite often been bullied themselves. Mm-hmm. Kind of ties in with that. And I think a lot of like, a lot of like prejudice and, you know, homophobic views and like, like, sexist so views and racist views kind of come from internal conflict mm-hmm. they kind of project out
0: mm-hmm. it's weird i feel like most of our world's problems are just internalized frustrations being projected outwards onto other people mm-hmm. um a miss <laughs> a misunderstanding of our own self is really resulting in you know w- people fighting for centuries on end. I mean, look at religion like Well, yeah, I mean it's it's <laughs> like
1: people being told to think a certain way just because and then when they're confronted with that, they don't really know how to justify their own beliefs, so yeah. they just kind of lash out in anger or whatever.
0: Or when someone has like a certain level of beliefs and then they're confronted with a new ideal um that they feel more kind of like You know, there's that jump, like, of whether or not, like, okay, like, I know that, like, I've been raised, you know, a certain way to believe a certain way, but there's an essence of me that feels like I haven't lived completely yet. And then that essence of I haven't lived completely yet, you always constantly deny, because if you don't deny it, then you'll feel like you don't belong anymore. And I feel like that essence is a feeling that we all get. And that's also a reason why we kind of like judge people so much because the people that get to that point where they feel like they they get confronted with that essence of like, you know, um, wait a second, maybe I don't completely conform or believe in all these ideals that I've been living through my whole life. Let's jump ship onto something else that I feel like I believe in. That's a really hard thing to do. And I feel like a lot of people don't do it because they just need to somehow feel an essence of belonging. But then if you don't do that, then at the end of the day, you're not staying true to yourself. I guess if that makes sense, does it make sense at all? Like, I just feel like people are always confronted are always going to be confronted with this feeling of like, you know, do I belong? And, and, and I feel like we all just really do want to belong. Um, but at the same time, we really want to just like accept ourselves for who we are. And it's really hard to find a middle ground, right? It's hard to find friends that, really see you and and trust you for who you are i mean that's the reason why i met you Corey. at the end of the day it was because i had a group of friends that i didn't technically agree with mm. when we were in high school I mean, i didn't feel comfortable with the way they kind of spoke about people and things and 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 then i was like you know what i, I just can't do this anymore like i i don't feel like myself i don't want to talk this way mm-hmm. and then i started like being more who I was and, like, starting to become more involved with theater because that was something I always loved when I was a kid is being very theatrical. Sure. I don't know. And I felt very oppressive in my – like, I felt, like, very self-oppressed. Like, you know, and that's – I mean, I'm a white male. And so, like, you know um, –
2: oppressed <laughs> as, as you could be yeah. as a white middle-class male.
0: Exactly. So it's just kind of like – I don't know. I think that that's what's really great about this film is the fact that it shows a bunch of people who are really accepting of themselves, but really having a hard time trying to find a place that really accepts them. Yeah. And and finding and and maybe that speaks to the whole film being a road trip film. Mm hmm. Uh, metaphorically speaking, they're trying to just find a place where they belong. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Where in, in actual fact, where they belong is where they started off kind of thing. I mean, at the end of the film, Bernadette ends up staying in a place. She, mm. ends, up, she ends up finding a place to belong, Yeah, um, which is really kind of, like, really interesting. And then, you know, Tick and uh, Anthony end up moving on uh, without her. Yeah. And it's just... I don't know, it's really poetic. Yes. And it's almost like Anthony and Tick themselves, metaphorically speaking, are still trying to find that place mm. where they feel like they belong. Um, yeah, because I, f- I don't know. I think that's just the most encouraging thing about this film is the fact that it's just about, it's a road trip on trying to find yourself. Yeah. Um, even though they've already found themselves. so
2: I think it's a road trip about changes you have in your life. So like Bernadette heart. Her husband's just died.
1: Her her boyfriend. Her
2: boyfriend yep. just died. And so she's like trying to deal with that t- transition. And like she finally says she says like something like, I just finally found, found someone that accepted me and then they went and died. Yeah, and so, and that's
1: the thing. She didn't really, she wasn't really invested in it. Yeah, yeah, but
2: she still kind of feels like she's like back at square one trying to find someone to accept her and love her for who she is. Yeah. And then you have um, Tick as well who's starting this journey of, trying to become a father uh-huh. which is typically a very very masculine thing uh-huh. and, you know he, he's a drag queen yeah so he's kind of trying to cope with these two contradictory ideas in his head so he's kind of starting that journey into fatherhood and getting to know his son I and mean, then anthony's just kind of there for the ride yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: well anthony's the young version of the two of yeah. them right yeah it, the it's seat, generational yeah. right it's it's very much like anthony's the youngest Tick is the middle, and mm-hmm. Bernadette's, you know, the ending, right? So. Yeah.
2: Well, I think, also, Anthony is, like, he's quite cocky to start with, but then after his experiences, he kind of seems a little bit less.
0: Well, it almost seems like his first experience with a severe, harsh world and judgmental world is the one that he has with the man who... The, kind of, the Cooper P.D. guy. Yeah, the guy who, like, you know, beats the shit out of him, mm-hmm. you know? Um, for being who he is quickly before we move on to another subject uh i really want to just commend the soundtrack for this film again absolutely fantastic soundtrack one of the best soundtracks
2: yeah it's a blinder yeah. yeah it's a blinder mate
0: yeah no worries <laughs> dingo h-o-bye bang nice oh, that's terrible <laughs> sorry guys nice i love it <laughs> um i do want to mention the fact that the cinematography in this film is really great. Mm-hmm. Um. There's a lot of depth of field. There's a lot of, like... I I don't know if you guys remember. There was a scene where they're in the uh, hotel room. And uh, Anthony's getting the crap beat out of him by Bernadette for calling him Ralph. Yeah. And... uh, Because Ralph is Bernadette's uh, uh, name. Birth name. Birth name, yeah. yeah. And Hugo Weaving is kind of, like, in the foreground and then there in the background it's just like a really cool and there's there's a lot of that throughout the whole film There's a lot
1: of that. Yeah, there's there's shots of kind of like the bus will stop and there's one uh, one of the characters is driving and then mm. the two will lean over the shoulder and there's lots of stuff like that. Yeah,
0: it's really really cool. Mm-hmm. I did want to mention the fact that this film holds some sort of essence to the Mad Max films as well. There's something mm-hmm. about shooting in the Australian desert that really brings in out like, the color of a film. Yeah. And Mad Max Fury Road is a really high-contrast film, Um, and it's quite beautiful, and this film as well. uh, It's something about the Australian outback that really brings out other colors. Uh, I mean, mean, mainly because of the fact that it's a desert, right? Sure, yeah. But it's just so, like, bright. I mean, they're wearing a lot of bright clothes. I mean, their bus is pink. They're on top of the van in their whole full get-up doing shows in the, like, well, no one's paying attention. It's just, Mm. it's so great. And I felt like it it, it was quite interesting how I felt when we were watching this film. It reminded me of Mad Max. Um, I don't know. But uh, the last thing I did want to mention was outfits in this film. Mm? I've never, ever thought, hey, we should take a flip-flop and turn it into an outfit (laughs) and a purse. Yeah. But uh, they sure as hell did it. Oh, they did it, and they did it big. It was the weirdest looking thing I've ever seen in my mm-hmm. life. I I, one, I had to pause the film. I was like, "What? What? What is that? Why? Yeah. Like, I'm not. I'm not like. Why is that? I'm like, What is that? Mm. Like, someone took flip flops and made an, a dress out of it. Craziest thing. It's good times.
2: Yeah, it's quite a an interesting one. A thong dress, as they would call it in Australia. That's
0: right. Yeah. That's right. They call them thongs. They call them thongs, mm. yeah. Why would you call them thongs? That's something you wear for underwear. Wouldn't you just call them like feet thongs? No, they're called well, thongs,
2: that's... and I think they call what we call thongs g-strings. Oh.
1: Yeah, it's just one the, of those
2: weird cultural things. Then the,
1: what do they call that note on the guitar? The g-string.
2: Oh. What's,
1: I don't know. What's don't the know. Australian word for that? That's, that's what I want to know. Send us an email. Yeah. yeah.
0: Hit Aust- us up. Yeah, hit us up. Maybe Meg from Brisbane.
2: Yeah, maybe my friend Meg will let us know.
0: Hopefully she listens to this episode. Shout out to Meg. Shout
2: out to Meg, (laughs) who's actually traveling at the moment. Yeah. She may or may not be
1: listening. Also, shout out to my cousin Michelle, who's visiting here from Australia, who I saw this morning for breakfast. Oh, okay. Shout out. So Shout
2: out to all our Aussie baits. Yeah,
1: good (laughs) on Mike. Have fun in Peru. (laughs) Because she's going to Peru.
0: And I think with that ends our conversation with the adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Mm. Um, just because we're doing shout outs and I feel like I think you guys are all done and ready to pack it in for the but evening. I'm
2: ready, I'm ready to go back, to retreat back to my sick bed. All right. We'll,
0: well, we'll let you go. Um, thank you. <laughs> but uh, before you go, though, we want to say thank you. Thank you. And I love you.
2: Oh, thanks.
1: <laughs> I'm... Big fan of yours. I'm not going to say like, I love you because that would be that's weird.
0: Right, Corey. That's you can right. say you love her, but not in the same way. I love you, but not in the same way.
2: <laughs> I love you in a platonic way, like a friend. <laughs>
0: all right, you sickie. Go out. it. Get out of here.
2: All right. Bye.
0: So if you could give this film a rating, and if you could, what would you give it out of whatever you want to give it? Uh, I'd give it uh, three female impersonators out of three female impersonators. I'd give it five... Hundred flip flop dresses out of five hundred. That's wow! Amazing. Yeah, that's
1: a lot of flip flops. A lot of yeah. thongs, if you will.
0: It's a lot of flip flops because you know you need pairs, and usually, if you have five hundred flip flops,
1: that's two hundred and fifty people.
0: It's a lot of a lot of people, a lot of flip flops, or a lot of thongs. Mm. And with that brings us to our next segment called housekeeping. 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 So, if you didn't notice, there was a male voice, an extra one, oh, well, on top of that housekeeping. Uh, and we haven't introduced this person yet, because uh, it's a bit, of a, a bit of a surprise for the real ranters, the mm. rantineers of the listeners of the earlobes <clears throat> of the podcast that you're listening to right now. That was a lot of words. I don't know what I was going with it. But... Uh, it's, we're here now. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, so, Mr. Mystery Man, why don't you announce yourself? introducing no okay it's matt herring good to be back (laughs) hey matt so uh we brought you on the
3: podcast for a very special reason for a very special announcement and uh actually i don't know what it is i just uh was at school and then a cloth bag was put over my head and then i was there was a mic in front of me and here we are yeah okay
1: on the cue card it says not to mention that (laughs) so why don't you go ahead and not mention that
3: okay uh yes uh fix that in post please yeah i'll edit
0: it out so, what is the real reason you're here? Well, Corey just put up quotation marks. The cue card says not to mention that. Either. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, why don't you announce your Why don't you announce your surprise yourself? Because I think that's kind of. I don't know. Does should somebody else announce it for him? Or? No,
1: I think he's got it mainly cuz I can't remember the title he gave himself.
0: Well, can I just say for one you're looking a little big? Uh pregnant maybe? <laughs> what? I'm just making a
3: joke. <laughs> well, no, Bren- Brennan's the first to say anything. I wasn't going to I wasn't going to bring it up. Well, but, uh, he is the father, so. Uh, well let me say you do not look it we are having a half
0: dog half fish baby anyway matt herring so matt why don't you tell us your big reveal aside from you actually being pregnant uh which you're actually not that was a joke uh or a bit some might say so matt why don't you tell us tell what's the surprise tell us the surprise quick tell us the
3: surprise I've been officially invited on to be a full-time ranger. Oh. Whoa! Hey! Hey, it's Jazzy. exciting. Jazzy, 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 jazz hands. Mm-hmm. And you boys made the mistake of allowing me to give myself my own title? Yes, we did. Well,
0: we said, hey, I don't want to do it, so you do it yourself. And I thought the longer, the better. Corey thought the shorter, the better. What? And we just... Uh, so
3: I met them in the middle and went with Brennan. Yeah.
0: Uh- <laughs> yeah, I wanted your title just to be Guy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, that is short, so yeah. Guy Pierce. Ah, oh, hey. Uh so the title I've given myself is Reserve Co host Ranter Extraordinaire. With wow. a beard in brackets. Yes. That's the one I'm going to be putting on the website. So,
0: Matt, (laughs) welcome to The Real Rant. Uh, You will be on uh, what episodes, I guess? A couple of what? Like, we we kind Uh, of discussed
3: it. Yeah, we we discussed it a little bit. I'll be on mostly the uh, particularly special guest episodes, so, directors. Yeah, I guess if we get like actors on and such, but um... Q and A's
0: like special episodes and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. like I believe you'll be on the the beach pillows one. Yeah, Yeah. oh definitely. We're doing Sean Hartophilus's episode uh, uh, soon, um, and you'll get to be on that one. So that'll be pretty good. But Mm -hmm. you're also kind of be taking up a little bit of extra side gig kind of work, too, to help Brendan out in the uh, the post-production.
3: Yeah, some behind-the-scenes work. We could use
0: an extra person on the team, and mm. uh, Matt was a pretty obvious contender after the last couple weeks of him kind of just being totally on point, and a lot of people like your voice. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I think you're all foolish, but I'll accept it. Well, let me tell you, I think you're foolish for thinking we're foolish, so... Right back at you, kid. (laughs) Um, But yeah, man, welcome to the team, and we're really happy to have you, and we're excited to see where we all go together in this real ranting world, um, where we talk about the real
3: stuff. Um, All all jokes aside, it actually is an honor that you guys asked me, and... uh... Uh, it means I can stop just being insanely jealous of your show and just uh, revel in the glory as well. Really, nice. you're
0: actually jealous about our show? Oh yeah, it's a good show.
3: I um, <laughs> thank you. I, I'm, I like film review. You guys do. A tight, you guys run a tight ship. Well, we don't uh-huh. review films. We discuss them. Actually, I was listening, and you guys uh, did say the word "review" a couple of times in some episodes. But that's oh. beside the point. I do also.
0: I do also hashtag movie review in our. But that's more for just publicity purposes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, if you want to sit with us, you can finish off the episode with us if you might as well. I mean, you're here. I'm here now, yeah. Yeah, you kind of have to crash on the couch tonight because we're doing a interview with somebody tomorrow morning. So I said, hey, you need to be here at a certain time because we need an extra person on the tech side.
3: And uh, So you know, I agreed to crash on the couch? Yeah, so nice. he agreed, even though he's taller than the actual couch. I did not know that until just now, so there's that. <laughs> uh, so, guys, I uh, didn't watch this show because you guys kidnapped me from the school. It's um, a movie. the uh, movie, know. yeah. I didn't, I didn't watch the movie because you guys threw a cloth bag over my head and yeah, yeah. put me here. Um, I do have a question, though. Yeah, for sure, man. What'd your mom think? Oh, yeah. hmm Can you feel it?
0: I sure can. What does your mom think? What does she
1: think? I really want to know, so give us the download, and we'll put, put it on, on the show. Oh yeah, sweet mama, what does your mom think? Let's find out.
0: So, this is our first kind of episode back with what does your mom think, and uh, we have a very special guest today mm-hmm. for our kind of like, you know, updated version of the, uh, the segment. Mm-hmm. um How do you feel about that, Corey? I feel real cool, really cool. Me personally, I mean, it's quite warm in here right now, but yeah, yeah.
1: No, it's good. It's exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah,
0: you ready to ready to hear what the the person has to say. Uh, my ears are full on. Yeah. yeah. So special guest, do you want to speak up for us? Tell us who you are and uh, what's going on.
4: My name's Lisa, and I'm Carmen's mum from Carmen's Corner.
0: Oh, there we go. There we go. So Lisa, why are you here today? What's what's going on with
4: that? Because I'm going to talk about Priscilla, Queen of the Desert.
0: Oh, very nice. Very good film. So Mm. Lisa, what is it about this film that kind of really captured you the first time? Or I guess I should start with why? Why did you watch this film for the first time? Was there any reason? or Were you just kind of like, you know, what was the whole? Give us a story. What's the lowdown on the on why you watched it i guess or um
4: i think i knew nothing about it before i went to see it and we were in madrid and uh and there's some really great cinemas in madrid and uh and it was a sort of social thing to do to go to the cinema i used to go to the cinema and then go out afterwards and so one afternoon we were just looking what film should we go and see this afternoon and we thought oh priscilla queen of the desert australia always quite interested in australia so uh so, yeah, so we went to see it, knowing nothing about it.
0: And after watching it, were you, well, like, while you were watching, I mean, this is my first time watching it, and while I was watching it, I couldn't figure out where the hell the movie was going to go, or, you know, kind of what, you know, what was going to happen near the end, um, but what did you, uh, what were you expecting with the film while you were kind of, like, sitting there in your, your movie theatre seat?
4: I wasn't really expecting anything, but I just found myself just smiling all the way through it. Um and then I remember we saw it and I just like, it just came out and just like, you were just so energized by it. And it was like, oh, brilliant. And the first thing we did was just go straight out and buy the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, and just Play, like,
0: yeah. for sure, for sure. Well, because it has like ABBA, right? ABBA. Mm. I don't know any, like, I just know ABBA. I'm not going to yeah. pretend like I know all of the other people that are singing no, the movie. it's a bunch of other songs, but it, it's probably
1: one of the better soundtracks out there. Yeah. Oh, mm. yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah. And then just listen to the soundtrack. And every time you listen to the soundtrack, I don't know, you just kind of got this warm, Australian, heat-feeling, desert. Um, yeah, it's just a very warm, happy it, movie. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned kind of off-podcast that you had seen a kind of like Broadway production of this before or after this? Uh,
4: not Broadway. Oh, okay. Not Broadway.
0: My bad. <laughs> no, Bristol. Bristol. Mm. So Bristol Broadway.
4: Bristol Broadway. Yeah, <laughs> no, we, I've seen it. On, actually, I've seen it. I saw it in London and I saw it in uh, in Bristol. And then uh, and the one in London, we were up in the gods. And so I couldn't really see too much of it. But the one in Bristol, we were sort of two seats back and it was Jason Donovan in it. And, uh, do they do they
0: keep the Australian accents in the production of the play? Yeah,
4: oh. yeah. And, the, and, and you know, the main thing is the music. Oh, yeah. It's really a musical. So no, Yeah,
0: so it's a musical. Do they have
1: like additional songs in there? Or is it pretty much no, like the just something? No,
4: it's very, very much like the film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, Lisa, aside from the soundtrack, was there anything that particularly, you know, striked you with, like, the story or narrative or plot or anything that you were totally, you know... I really like this about this movie. Yeah,
4: I really like that on one on one level, it was just all fun and it was out in the desert and it was a great soundtrack and great costumes. But then on level level, it was it was you know great characters and each character, the three sort of main characters that were in the bus, they all had their own sort of issues and their own um, underlying stories, and uh, and I like that about it. And it kind of went in deeper about each of those
0: Mm -hmm. well that was really great lisa it was great to have you on our show uh and we've kind of been talking about it for a little bit and uh, it's great to finally have you on so thank you so Mm -hmm.
4: much well anytime
0: yeah of course anytime (laughs) Indeed. Uh, yeah well thank you and uh yeah back to the show bye So we just want to go ahead and say thanks, Lisa, for being on the show this week for our first new episode with What Does Your Mom Think? A little bit more jazzed up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, We said a couple episodes back that we're going to bring back What Does Your Mom Think? every now and then. But most often it's, uh, yeah, it's just going to be whenever we get the chance to do it (laughs) is the best way to
1: put it. Nice little special thing every now and then.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we hope you like the new theme song, new edit, and uh, hope you enjoyed it. And I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Yeah. How do you think we did there, Corey? Real jazzy. With an E? -E? Of course. Of
1: course, always. Is, Is there any other way?
3: No. Matt, is there any other way? No, I... I'm an English major. I know the only way to spell jazzy is with two E's. Nice. Okay. Okay. I get the
0: joke there. I'm quite tired, but I understood that joke. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. That was a good bit. So, Matt, uh, aside from all that jazzy business you were just saying, uh, is there anything, one word you want to say before we close out? No. Corey? Bazanga. And scene.